NCAA, NIL, Cavender Twins, Katie Meyer, Miami. We're going to get the inside scoop on everything that's going on. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So, you know, last week it was on Friday when the findings and sanctions on that NCAA NIL investigation were announced. You've got some Hurricanes fans, you know, freaking out, wondering what's going on. you got rival fans taking a victory lap since Miami is apparently on probation. But I wanted to get clarity on this. And who better to get clarity from than Darren Heitner, attorney at law from Heitner Legal, who has actually represented the Cavender Twins for about the past couple of years. So, Darren, first of all, thank you so much for taking some time. And I hope you're doing well on this fine Monday morning. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Uh, Okay, so first things first, um, I want to read just a quick excerpt here from the Committee on Infractions statement, which seems, I don't know, a little contradictory to me, where they write, the investigation did not develop any facts directly linking activities around name, image, and likeness to the prospect's recruitment to or decision to enroll at the University of Miami. During this review, however, the panel was troubled by the limited nature and severity of institutional penalties agreed upon by Miami and the enforcement staff, namely the absence of a disassociation of the involved booster. So, I mean, it sounds like they even like admit that the Cavenders did not base their decision having anything to do on that meeting, and yet they still, you know, wanted more severe punishments. I'm a little puzzled by all this, Darren. You know, I think it's so important that you read that portion of the report aloud because many journalists and even myself are to blame for our immediate reaction to this discipline and specifically the lengthy report that was handed down, we, many of us jumped to the conclusion that this was an actual penalty for an NIL related violation, that it was a violation of the interim policy that was put into place July 1, 2021, that is still an interim policy today, and that has had some guidance provided over time. But in fact, when you look at the specifics of the report, this is not an NIL violation. This is, from the NCAA's purview, a violation of recruitment. And the issue revolves around the classification of Mr. Ruiz as a booster. And we could argue as to whether or not that's a proper classification in this specific circumstance, and that there was institutional involvement by way of women's basketball coaches directing players who are not yet committed to the university to communicate then with Mr. Ruiz and whether that in itself is a violation. And I think the NCAA came to the conclusion that it was, which in turn led to the three games self-imposed suspension and now also a probationary period that the university is on. Um, But nothing beyond that and, and no, direct statement in the report that there was a specific NIL violation, or as you mentioned, that the Cavender twins were in any way influenced 
to attend the University of Miami based on any communications or meetings that took place. Yeah, and something else um, you can help us clarify here is we're, we're talking with uh, attorney Darren Heitner. Um, everyone was talking about this this Cavender Ruiz meeting, and, and they were they were calling it a, a dinner. Uh, are, are we even sure that an actual dinner took place at that event? It's a very good question, uh, because I, I do believe that it's reasonable to assume that the, I guess you could say the severity of the penalty is at least in part related to this belief that there was an impermissible benefit that was provided to the twins, that being in the form of a dinner. But I'm led to believe that that's not necessarily true, uh, that they may not have even been provided water when they met with Mr. Ruiz at his house on this specific occasion. I do want to be clear. I was not present. In fact, at the time, uh, while I've worked with the Cavender twins for almost two years as their counsel, I'm not aware of every single happening. I, I, at the time, I wasn't even aware that the meeting was going to take place or that it had taken place. Um, and I'm, so I'm also in the process of learning some of the facts. And my understanding is it's not crystal clear that they even received a, a free meal. And if they did, I have no idea what they ate. <laughs> wow, that's very interesting. Um, so I also, and and hopefully, you know, you you can help us kind of understand what this actually means, since you do you do you know you've done so many things that are related to the NCAA. Because like w when fans hear that Miami's athletic department is on probation, and initially people had interpreted that just the women's basketball team was on probation. Now it looks like the entire athletic department is on probation. Like, what does probation actually mean, Darren? Like, what can Miami can and not do? during this period? Probation in itself essentially can be boiled down to enhanced scrutiny, that there's additional focus being placed on the program, and that if there is another violation of NCAA bylaws during the probationary period, then number one, the probationary period can and likely will be extended, but also it's more likely that there will be additional sanctions on the program and probably enhanced sanctions. So um, I wouldn't read too much into the fact that the program may be placed on probation outside of whatever specifically is set forth in the report as to the penalties toward the school. Again, it's just it's additional enhanced scrutiny towards the program during the pro probationary period. You know, something that um, I, I feel bad about from where I sit is that the Cavender twins get, I would argue, negative publicity from all of this when they didn't do anything wrong, Darren. I mean, even the NCAA, you know, they, they don't fault the Cavender twins if they feel like this was impermissible, this meeting. You know, they, they obviously were trying to go after the booster and, and after Katie Meyer, who I also feel terrible for. But, you know, your, your clients didn't actually do anything wrong and they're getting scrutiny for this. And I agree. And it's it's something that we've discussed internally since the report came out on, on Friday. Um, you know, the, the question being, is there negative, is there reputational harm that has resulted from this report? And if so, what is the extent of that harm? Um, you know, the, the twins did come out uh, very quickly after the report was released. And uh, submitted their own social media content surrounding it, um, not in any way to diminish the um, importance, I guess, of following rules, but to 
question exactly what it is that they allegedly did wrong. Because again, if you look at the report itself, it does not appear that the NCAA made any conclusion that they did nothing, that they did anything wrong. From my perspective, they did nothing wrong, but yet show me an article online where their individual names or them as the Cavender twins are not mentioned in the headline. And I understand we live in a world of clickbait and just by mentioning their names in the actual title of an article or close to the top is going to bring eyeballs. But the question does become, okay, the NCAA didn't put their names in the title, but now every journalist is. So does that result in reputational harm? And, and, it's it is a shame if so and, and um it, it certainly should not have been the result of this report yeah no well said uh, i've got a couple more questions i'm going to ask darren heitner on the other side including the true nature of nil because i think even the ncaa kind of loses sight of what the purpose is and hopefully improving athletes lives and giving them opportunities that regular americans enjoy so we're going to talk about that and more keep it locked right here to Locked On Canes. And folks, if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, you got to try a Built Bar. Just got through the holidays. I know a lot of us since January 1st, you got those resolutions. We're trying to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier foods, but you don't want to compromise taste, I've got just the right thing for you. You've got to try a Built Bar. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. So what makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. I was eating a banana cream pie puff bar earlier today. Fantastic. I'm not sure how Built does it, but... These bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait around to get a box. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart or Sam's Club today. Pick up a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs, or grab a 13-bar box at Sam's Club of hit flavors like brownie batter and churro, and you can thank me later because I love me some Built Bars. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Uh, Alex Dono alongside Darren Heitner, uh, attorney. He represents the Cavender Twins, and he's giving us some insight on what's going on between the NCAA and Miami. And, you know, Darren, you know, you talked about like provisional NIL guidelines. Uh, Just as a journalist, it's frustrating for me to kind of try to understand what is allowed and not allowed uh, with name, image, and likeness. Now, you brought up a great point in the opening segment that based on the NCAA's findings, this Cavender twins uh, situation wasn't even really an NIL thing. But as far as NIL itself, Uh, Even as an attorney, are you sometimes kind of unsure what the rules allow and don't allow? Well, I try not to be. But if if you're confused (laughs) and if journalists are, imagine how athletic departments across the country have been going back to July 1, 2021, and including through today. You had a period in time from July 1, 2021, really until October of 2022, where you had this very basic interim policy that said, There must be quid pro quo in every deal. There can't be inducements to enroll at a university and there can't be pay for play, nor can there be payment from the university to the athletes. But that was basically it, supplemented by a three page question and answer document, which, oh, by the way, does say that boosters can enter into deals with athletes. So 
going to October 2022, all of a sudden the NCAA reveals new guidance. But that guidance also does say that universities, their staff, can engage with what they call NIL entities, including NIL collectives, to inform athletes about NIL opportunities. And that schools can go as far as to provide information to athletes about opportunities that the institution has been become aware of, which includes opportunities from boosters or collectives. Mm -hmm. Where I think going back to this whole conversation about the Cavenders, where, where there becomes a question is, is it that the school can provide these, this information to all athletes, whether or not they're already committed or enrolled at the university? And if you look at the guidance itself, it's ambiguous. So I think what the NCAA did, in fact, what I think what I believe the NCAA did here was looked at other bylaws on recruiting because these individuals were not yet committed nor enrolled while they may have been in the transfer portal by connecting them from the institution side to what, again, the NCA characterizes as a booster, and that may be up for debate in this particular circumstance, that was deemed a recruiting violation as opposed to necessarily an NIL violation. Wow. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of questions yeah. that are asked on a daily basis, and I get them all the time from athletic departments. And now, you know, the, the state of Florida recently um, changed their regulation where now uh, coaches can get involved in facilitating NIL deals, which now kind of makes me feel like uh, Katie Meyer, like based on the new precedent, wouldn't even be in any trouble based on the way that you know the state of Florida is now moving forward. So, and, and again, this is where there's a lot of confusion in the space. What the state of Florida did by modifying its existing NIL law was it actually just removed a prohibition that existed at the state level. And the prohibition was on schools and staff causing compensation to athletes. Mm. There's a question as to what causing compensation was anyhow. It was sort of vague and overbroad. What it didn't do, which by the way, a lot of journalists are wrongfully reporting, but what it didn't do was say that causing compensation is allowed. It just said that it's no longer a prohibition at the state level. So we still have to then address the fact that the October 2022 guidance from the NCAA does say that it's impermissible for a school to communicate with an NIL entity, again, a collective, regarding a specific athlete request or demand for compensation or even encouragement for the entity to fulfill that request. The school can't be involved in negotiating any sort of NIL opportunity. So there's still a line in the sand between what the school can do, which again is provide information to athletes about opportunities that the school has become aware of, but that's where the involvement has to end. Mm -hmm. It can't go further and actually negotiate terms or even speak further be, uh, for the parties within a potential transaction. So the state pulled back on restrictions, but the NCAA still has its own restrictions that need to be abided by. Okay. That, see, that, that was something I was not aware of, uh, how, how some of that 
fine print looks on that. So th that that is really informative. And, you know, Darren, as someone who helps uh, facilitate NIL deals with athletes, do you feel like people lose sight as to what NIL is actually about? Because, you know, for for decades, people like me have been screaming that it's crazy that players have, you know, not been allowed to be provided meals or sign autographs or do commercials. And it's like now that we have that, people are then complaining because they think, oh, well, this school's doing it uh, wrong and, and they're getting recruits we can't get. So it's like, I don't know, fans are just never going to be happy with this process. But do people lose sight at the fact that it was ridiculous when NIL didn't exist? And now maybe we need to appreciate appreciate the fact that these athletes can actually improve their lives and their families' lives. And this is a, a, a much broader conversation that, that we can and, and perhaps should have. Yeah. Um, college athletes forever were a class of individuals who were wrongfully placed in a bucket where they alone could not benefit from their publicity rights, namely their names, images, and likenesses. And so this was, I, I firmly uh, believe, was worth fighting for. Um, we've seen amazing results where athletes are able to raise money for charitable efforts that they couldn't do in the past. They're able to actually engage with brands and do endorsement deals, do public appearances, sign autographs, create NFTs and make money. And whether it be to buy a fancy car for themselves or to actually just support their families that you know, many of these athletes come from such depressed socioeconomic backgrounds and desperately need this money. And they're able to support their families in a very important way that they couldn't in the past or to what you mentioned, just being able to pay for meals. It was difficult. I know a lot of people don't understand or appreciate this, but many athletes just didn't have the resources outside of the cost of attendance that they're provided with by way of their scholarships. And by the way, not every athlete obtains a scholarship to go to school. These are important pieces of the pie. Now, I get the gripes, which is that a lot of deals may be couched as NIL, but really they're inducements for athletes to enroll at universities. The problem is this is sort of the creative solution that many boosters or collectives have come up with because of the lack of really characterizing these athletes for what they are, which is employees. If they start receiving a portion of the revenues from media rights deals, or they're just actually, they become W-2 employees and receive salaries, a lot of that will go away. But it's going to continue in the meantime. And the only way that that stops is if the NCA proactively takes action against it. What's so interesting is 19, 20 months into all of this, no action has been taken thus far on that front. Instead, what we're left with is a three-game suspension for a women's basketball coach based on a meal that we don't even know necessarily happened. I mean, it's 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 comical. <laughs> well, listen, I, I appreciate all your information and your time. Of course, everyone, make sure you follow Darren at Darren Heitner on Twitter. And Darren, I know you also you teach some law classes at Miami and Florida. If, if there's anything you want to promote or, or you want to make people aware of, uh, the floor is yours, man. No, it's funny. I, I, I get criticism, I think, both ways uh, because I, I teach a, an NIL course at Miami Law School and I teach a, a broader sports law course at University of Florida, Levin College of Law. Um, 
but uh, you know, despite what people think, I'm not providing information from Florida to Miami or Miami to Florida. <laughs> but uh, I, I thank you for having me on the show, and uh, I hope to be back sometime soon. Oh, you definitely, you will be my friend. Great stuff. And, uh, and yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. And yeah, Darren Heitner at Darren Heitner on Twitter. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Huge thank you to Darren Heitner for stopping by. And I hope that that conversation we had can answer some of the questions you guys had about this situation because he certainly answered some of mine and maybe he answered questions you guys didn't even know were questions until our conversation started so uh we'll wrap up a a bittersweet weekend in hurricane sports when we come back here keep it locked to locked on canes thank you so much for making locked on canes your first listen today we are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on youtube wow um all the uh <laughs> All the chest up pumping I've done about Hurricanes basketball in recent weeks. And I'm not saying they don't deserve it because they were on an incredible run. Seven straight wins. Um, they collapsed. They absolutely, absolutely collapsed against Florida State on Saturday. That may or may not be what put me in the hospital over the weekend. <laughs> Is it too soon to make that joke? Uh, I, I was. Uh, I actually did go to the emergency room on Saturday evening. For chest pains and I want to thank everyone for the well wishes that you guys sent me um, it means a lot to me you know I've, I've said it before I'll say it again the people that listen to and watch the show you guys are family um, you feel like family and if any of you are having health concerns I would certainly worry about that so I appreciate you guys for worrying about me uh, I'm fine uh, they ruled out anything like cardiac related so you know whatever was going on with me I'm going to follow up with my uh, with my regular doctor to see if we can get to the bottom of it. But, you know, my heart is fine. I did not suffer a heart attack or anything like that. Thank God. Uh, I wanted to get checked out because I'm a dad. Uh, by the way, happy birthday to my son, Luca. Luca turns five today. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Luca. Happy birthday to you. He's going to blush when he sees that I, I sang for him on the show. But happy fifth birthday to my son. Uh, so, listen, with that, you know, losing to Florida State always stings, okay? Miami punished Florida State on their floor the first meeting of the season. And Florida State pulled off what I'm sure their fans would describe as an epic comeback when Miami had a 25-point lead in that game. Miami fans would describe that as an epic collapse. Definitely didn't help that Nigel Pack wasn't on the floor. I don't think Miami would have lost that game if Pack had been on the floor for the Hurricanes. But no matter what, blowing that lead... Um, Miami, obviously, is still going to be in the tournament. Um, they still have a chance to win the ACC, by the way. Miami can still they can win the ACC by beating Pittsburgh in the finale. So I'm hoping we can look back on this collapse against Florida State near the end of the regular season as a learning experience, right? Whatever Coach Laranega did wrong, getting too conservative at the end of that game, hopefully he learns from that and it doesn't happen in the tournament. Hopefully those players who are on the court learn from that experience and it doesn't happen in the tournament. If Miami can use this as a wake-up call to make sure that these issues do not rear their ugly head in the NCAA tournament, I'm hoping that this catastrophic loss against Florida State can turn out to be a learning experience and we can see the silver lining from that. Meanwhile, the Canes baseball team keeps uh i think they've hit 22 home runs already this season they get a couple of sweeps so i love to hear that about the baseball team and i wanted to throw out some thank yous uh to those of you who have recently left us five star reviews on apple podcasts and spotify 
Um, if you guys can do that, if you listen to the audio version, if you can take a few minutes to hit five stars and leave us a nice review, it goes a long way so people know that, hey, this show's not so bad. Maybe I can check it out. So we've gotten some new reviews from uh, that dude 239 writes uh, three part statement. Ooh, and I want to I'm going to get into this into a future episode, that dude, because I know you actually gave us a content idea and I'm going to get into this later this week. I promise. He says, can you give a player comp for the freshman linebacker? Bobby Washington. I'm a fan of this kid, and I believe he has a huge upside. Yeah, did you see Bobby Washington is one of the fastest players on the team? He's apparently faster than Robbie Washington, who's a wide receiver. He says, two, thank you for giving us great insight on the daily and keeping us updated with recruiting and coach updates. He says, three, can you give yourself a welcome to the U? I think you just wanted to hear me do that for some reason. So thank you so much for the nice review. We also got a review from Javi Spiro 33, who says been listening to Dono for years on the AM dial. Now here on locked on Canes five-star review is well-deserved, sir. Keep up the phenomenal work and go Canes. Thank you. Uh, Memphis King Mo writes in Dono brings timely information and energy to the hurricane nations. I look forward to the Intel. Thank you so much. And so, yeah, for those of you who've left us, left us new five-star reviews, thank you. If you guys want to do that, if you haven't done that, uh, we like to give shout-outs when the new reviews come in. So, huge thank you again to Darren Heitner for joining us. Let's hope the Hoops team does not let anything like Saturday ever happen again. And let's hope Miami's got a new wide receivers coach soon. Let's hope Jason Taylor gets promoted. We talked about that on yesterday's episode. Make sure to check it out. Hashtag promote Jason Taylor. And guys, make sure you check out Locked On College Basketball. Make them your second listen after making us your first. Andy Patton and Isaac Shade take you through the college basketball landscape like no other in 30 minutes or less with big name guests, players, and coaches on the show. Locked On College Basketball, available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. We will talk to you again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Canes, part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.